Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Salute. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Dingway, the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Dingway, the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are just a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Franica. My watch said I took a hard fall just now. Oh, because you clapped? Yeah. I must have <laughs> clapped really hard. I've never seen that before of you. Is it possible that your watch could tell that you were about to start recording an episode of a Star Trek podcast and it was like, maybe I should call somebody that can help. Yeah, maybe you'd be happier in a hospital. <laughs> I have had that before. I forget what triggered it. God fucking damn it! That's such a good idea! (laughs) My watch says, it looks like you've taken a hard fall. Whoa! But it was something similarly not a fall. Were you wearing it while jerking off? (laughs) Well, I wear my watch on my uh, left hand. My dominant hand by many measures, but... You know what? I would have guessed that you jerked at European. <laughs> Personally, I'm really surprised by this. Uh, I lost a lot of money on what hand does Ben jerk off with. Is European between the f- thumb and forefinger and American between the index finger and the middle finger? Like the way we smoke our cigarettes differently. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I wasn't thinking about it that way. No, thought you might be. I guess I was thinking of it in the driving on the other side of the road thing, but that's not European. No, that's... Uh, that's English. I, they were European for a minute, but then they stopped yeah. being because a bunch of old assholes uh, cast votes over there. The joke doesn't make sense. Yeah. None of it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So... Anyways, here we are. Good start. Good start by me. <laughs> Just hitting the old joke pommel horse. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we caught an attempted attack by the stupid glitter person. Caught it before it started. Nipped it in the bud. I thought we weren't going to talk about this on the show. I'm just saying, like, don't even try it at this point, because it's, it's, uh, you're, you're not going to get him past the goalie. We, we're wise. To that one person. You really you really don't know how to deal with this, do you? <laughs> like, I hope you like receiving more and varied vehicles for glitter at your house because that's what you're going to get. Well, you're going to be starting to pick up the P.O. box after this episode. So that's part of, part of my insurance policy. I'm throwing all those packages away. <laughs> between uh, the post office and my house. No, I'm saying our system is good and uh I'm I'm proud of I'm proud of our team for having come up with a good system. Oh yeah. Flawless system. I I really like was being charitable that this was a person that, you know, m- made an attempt at a joke that just didn't land right. It was an asshole the whole time. Yeah, I mean, this is what happens. You uh you appease assholes. And maybe project good intentions onto assholes when the, they're just assholes the whole time. Yeah. They always have been. It is very hard for me to, like, believe that someone is truly an asshole. But they, they're out there. Like, like people that are, that are bad at their core are out there. 
I have the opposite problem. I have a hair trigger <laughs> asshole meter, and I fucking <laughs> drop those idiots just as soon as I get the chance <laughs> and never speak of or to them again. Yeah. It's pretty diabolical of you. Uh, yeah. Well, I've got great asshole hygiene. I got <laughs> fucking <laughs> yeah. friendship bidet shooting all up in there, man. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen your bidet at work. Does the trick. It's remarkable. It keeps my workplace glitter-free, I'll tell you that much. Mm. You're saying that, like, my naivete is why my... is You're, you're blaming the victim here? <laughs> no, I'm not. But the next time it happens, I th- I'll draw a perfectly straight line from that moment to this conversation. <laughs> wow it's nice to know that i work with somebody that has a, this much respect for me as a person <laughs> i have the utmost respect for you as a person <laughs> i just i'm incredulous by the idea that that bringing it up could do anything but harm i think the friends of DeSoto deserve to know that an attempt was foiled and this you know this person deserves to know also that they you know it didn't work it's so so knock it off. All right. The world's most boring villain. Even more boring than a fucking holodeck villain in today's episode is what I think. That's what we were talking about. It's like, this is your fucking troll? Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's so sad. It's so sad at the end of the day. Yeah. We're trying to make a comedy show and you turned it into a tragedy show. I think you're giving this person too much power, Ben. I, I don't think of them at all. All right. Well, do you want to just record a different merit? I mean, it seems like you're sad about this. No, I'm not sad about it. I, you're, I just, sad, you're sad that I brought it up. I don't want it to happen again, and I think the only way to ensure that possibility or increase the chances of that is to just ignore it entirely. All right. But, well, we could, I let's, mean, go back and, let's go back to the beginning and re-record. This feels like an exciting gamble. <laughs> I didn't know you were the gambling type, Ben. I like the idea that... Uh, if if somebody's going to troll us, be interesting at least, you know? Oh, yeah. This this person did not rise to the occasion. No. No. They fell flat on their face. So. I don't, and also, I don't want to know what their version of interesting is. This is the <laughs> challenge I'm trying to avoid, Ben. All right, so let's re-record. <laughs> I don't, we don't need to re-record. Fuck it. Let's just talk about the stupid episode of Star Trek. Spicy Marin. And then we'll see if we ever record another one again. Mm. High stakes up today. I think it's going to be a good one based on, on the start. <laughs> Star Trek Voyager Season 5, Episode 12. Bride of Chaotica! Exclamation point. Exclamation point at the end. Yeah. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> so we start with a title screen for Captain Proton. First time we've seen the Captain Proton logo, I think. Did you ever fuck around with HyperCard? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had HyperCard. This feels like a HyperCard title screen, you know? It really does. Yeah. That like... Just using the like vector lasso tool in Photoshop and like the non-contiguous paint bucket of white to fill it in. Yeah, it's great. That level of typography on this title screen. There must have been a conversation about how much shit to put on this. 
Right. You know, like, do you want to get into tracking? Do you want to get into uh, like weird static or or smudges or whatever? Right. As it is, like this is a super crystal clean, like remaster old TV show version of what we get here, right? Yeah. No, no dust and scratches, no, you know, like rollouts or burn effects on the footage. Mm-hmm. But we're getting like a voiceover talking us through the events of the last episode of uh, Captain Proton, Constance Fairchild or whatever. What's her name? Goodheart. Constance Goodheart is screaming her cool head off. Like, that's kind of the the thing she does. This lady has the pipes to do it. Yeah. She can really scream. Good casting. Something hit me while watching this, which is that I would be very excited if they announced that the next thing coming to the Paramount Plus app was a like a limited series of Captain Proton episodes, like 10, 10 episodes of Captain Proton coming this fall to Paramount Plus. I mean, even as like a short treks thing, you could see the fun of that. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great. We cut to a wide shot where Tom and Harry are watching this on one of their circular TV screens inside the spaceship that Captain Proton pilots. And uh, this is the recap for the players of the game of what happened in the previous episode. Yeah. This isn't the first kind of meta commentary about Star Trek itself yeah. that this episode decides on. Yeah. So they're off to fight Chaotica again. And they're talking about like, oh, yeah, there was a lot of like uh, exaggeration of how cool the last episode was. And sure. They're having this conversation when they get interrupted by the FaceTimeotron. Captain Proton. Surrender. Not a chance. Were you distracted at all by just the suggestion that Dr. Chaotica could be stunt casting and was not. Because I spent a lot of time in the beginning of this episode going, is Dr. Chaotica played by a that guy? Who is Dr. Chaotica? <laughs> over and over in my head, I was like, this isn't someone that I know, is it? And it's yeah. not. But I wonder, were you distracted by not stunt casting as much as you would be by if they had stunt cast Dr. Chaotica? Like, I wonder how much they thought about maybe doing that. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess in the script, they sort of write it toward maybe we'll see Chaotica again. And I wonder if you don't stunt cast a character that you think you might want to bring back just for, like, budgetary uh-huh. reasons. Like, if we ever do another episode with Chaotica, we're going to have to pay the name brand actor a lot more than the, you know... <laughs> tape player the guy we cast really didn't care about getting famous so (laughs) i mean this guy is chewing scenery he's really throwing himself into the role i I think he's doing a good job maybe it's a minuet situation where you think you're gonna play the next dr chaotica holodeck program but it's a different person than you're expecting Oh, man. You can't fall in love with the next Dr. Chaotica the way you did this one. Right. It's not going to be the same. It really isn't. So Chaotica is uh, asking for them to, you know, surrender or something and showing off that he's got Constance Goodhart captive and, uh, you know, bragging about his death ray. Classic call to adventure here. 
and the uh, intrepid Captain Proton and whatever character Harry Kim is playing uh, crash their ship on the surface of this planet. Is, is this one Planet X? Oh, I didn't get its name. Because he says Planet X just looks just like Mercury, right? Oh, yeah. So. I mean, you could tell by its color. Yeah. They're identical. Sets were expensive. It's a Star Trek cave central, this planet. What is Kim doing here? Kim has never been more of a millhouse than he is. <laughs> Maybe at the beginning of this episode. I love how he kind of takes what Paris is saying and then like kind of repeats it in an overacting kind of way. Uh-huh. <laughs> is that what Robin used to do in like the, the old Batman TV show? It feels feels like that, you know? Like, right. what is he even here for? What is he getting out of this? <laughs> you mean precisely, Robin? I mean, the last time he got to get tied up by the Delaney sisters, which... Oh, yeah. You know what? I There is that suggestion before the theme where they, like, set out onto their mission, and Paris is like, well, don't forget, we've got a, a harem of women <laughs> to look forward to. Yeah. I think Harry is just going to, like, ride the coattails of Captain Proton until he gets to the sex parts of this game let's go i'm right behind you yeah i mean there's always one episode that centers the sidekick right 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 he's just going to play up until then so as they walk across the surface of planet x they come to a point where they get a, a great vista captain proton announces that this is called the fortress of doom and harry's like fortress of doom more like fortress of dildos mm. Yeah. How did they even build this thing? That's probably really impressive. Probably just got a bunch of dildos and like painted windows on them. Oh, I meant like in the world of the story. Like probably oh. a lot of slave labor, right? Yeah, yeah. It seems seems like a, a pretty steep outcropping of rock to be doing major construction on. You know, any supervillain this is an Isaac Ab- Asimov theory right like any super villain who has the power to shoot laser beams probably also has the power to construct a fortress on the top of a mountain without using right. slave labor hmm yeah that's a thing right but chaotica would use it because it's cruel you know right yeah they would so they don't really get to get very far into this game right like they're gonna go to the underground caverns when there's a banger and uh, they start looking around and they find these these pink holes opening up. Yeah. More holes than they had bargained for in this holodeck program. Yeah. Well, and the fact that they're pink really breaks kayfabe because this is supposed to be a black and white game. They look like the pink and the blue things from the very first episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, right? Oh. That's what I thought. Maybe a little bit, yeah. They're hanging some dangle, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, but they aren't quite as rubbery, you know. Right. Yeah, these are these are little hurdles. Yeah. Well, instead of little jellyfish. Mm-hmm. Instead of big jellyfish. Right. After the theme, they realize they can't turn off the program. Yeah. This seems sufficient enough to like hit the power button on the console. Right. You can't play through this. Pull the cartridges out, blow through your T-shirt into it. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff works. So they they head back to the spaceship where. They can open a panel and, you know, interact with holodeck controls manually. Meanwhile, up on the bridge, the ship has come to a complete stop in space. And uh, the captain marches onto the bridge to ask why. And nobody really knows. 
Yeah, it's the ship stuck in space. It's also a bunch of systems that don't work anymore. Yeah. Something, something, something having to do with subspace. Something gravimetric particle. This doesn't sound like a time travel thing. No. I was listening very closely. (laughs) Not time travel. No way. Back on the holodeck, Paris and Kim are stopped by some non-player characters at the foot of this cave, and they just shoot them without giving them a second thought. I love this. (laughs) Yeah, you're a big fan of wasting NPCs for no good reason, right? And then, like, for good measure, shoots them again after they're down. This is like the uh, the holodeck version of like doing that crouch your nuts over the dead body thing <laughs> that you see in some video games, like multiplayer style. Well, as soon as he shot Lonzak, they shot the other two NPCs because at that point, what's the difference? <laughs> he had to get it on, Adam. Yeah, he really did. Of course, it's locked in. What? Listen to me very carefully because I'm going to say this once. We kind of cut back and forth a lot here. There's stuff on the bridge, stuff in the holodeck. They they try to like go to warp again, and this is just shaking the ship around. The bangers get more and more intense, and they are stuck in the mud. They are not moving. Low-key, this is maybe one of the scariest things that can happen on a Star Trek, right? Like, you think about attack from other spaceship. You think about... Uh, giant space butthole sucking you in and destroying you. Right. Maybe a temporal anomaly making you replay your destruction over and over again. Mm-hmm. But like low key, very scary, stuck in space, maybe forever. <laughs> yeah. That sounds awful. Yeah. You just run out of resources and bathrooms and and then you're dead. Yeah. It sucks. Terrifying. Yeah. The only way that Tom and Harry can figure out to get out of the holodeck is a site-to-site transport. So they put that into effect and materialize in the hallway in their costumes. And then we are in the ass lab looking at a 3D representation of what the ship has found itself inside of, which is described as a subspace sandbar by BLT. Yeah. My idea would be not to swim the ship directly to shore, but instead swim parallel to shore Mm. until you're free of that subspace current and then you can make it out without uh, tiring your ship out right wow very clever i know (laughs) (laughs) it's spoken like a true host of the santa monica mountains podcast right yeah (laughs) but like Unfortunately, they're down a bunch of the systems that they could be using to solve this problem. Right. So they're really left with just kind of riffing in this meeting about what might help. There's coffee and anything that might explain what's holding us here. The captain actually has some practical experience that may be helpful in this situation based on a nebula that she was inside of one time while working as the science officer on another ship. And she's kind of getting herself set up for like a really grandiose aha moment where she demonstrates to the crew that she's the captain because she's the smartest one in the room. And Seven really smashes her nuts here. She comes in and and just like gets the words right out of her mouth. She comes very close to making the Chinese finger trap comparison of a TNG episode, but uh, they don't quite do that. I think Seven has probably heard Miriam... Back when I was on a ship stories from being in the collective. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So many that they just bore the shit out of her. 
<laughs> but we really don't get many of those from Janeway, do we? And I kind of wish there were more of them. Yeah. So much so that, like, I'm sure you and I have repeated stories on the show before. You just let the other person go. It's fine. You've heard this one before, but it's okay. But uh, like, I wouldn't say that you've ever just let me go. <laughs> you always take exception to me saying anything on the show in one way or another. Like, I wish there were more more of that from Janeway. Like, oh, here she goes again. She's telling that nebular story. Mm-hmm. We know. <laughs> That's not the case. She doesn't really tell stories. Yeah. The uh, Albatani, named for an astronomer from Haran. Yeah? Yeah. It sounds like a soup in the, uh, in the Soup Nazi episode of the Seinfeld show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a yeah. clam chowder, one Albatani. <laughs> I didn't get my bread. <laughs> Just go with it. <laughs> so the plan that got Janeway out of trouble before is something they're gonna try to implement this time, which is like, you know, the more you resist the more this thing just wears you down. Yeah. Maybe the key to getting out of this thing is like doing a little creeping. Yeah, try and go slow. Yeah. Maybe uh, put a couple of uh, pieces of lumber under the wheels, you know, see if you can get some traction in that mud. It's why we carry all of this sand in the cargo bay. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? So we cut from this to these hurls in the holodeck and some beams of light come out of them and a couple of kind of old-timey gangster-looking guys materialize. They're wearing like, you know... They're wingtips and three-piece suits and fedoras. And uh, they walk around. They, they have some kind of tricorder. They're scanning. And they run into Lonzak. And Lonzak arrests them immediately. I thought one of these gangsters really looked like Henry Silva. Oh. Like the lead gangster? Yeah. This actor, Jim Crestalude, unfortunately has been blessed with Henry Silva face. <laughs> but it really works for him in a in an episode like this. He looks period correct in the face. He does. He does have past person face mm-hmm. in the same way as Henry Silva. And uh, I mean, all of the uh, Chaotica-verse characters kind of do. Yeah, they do a good job with it. They're well cast from that standpoint. Do you know you have a past face if you have one? Like if you're an actor and you see Mm. like a casting call, we're looking for past faces. Like, do do you see yourself in that request? And you're like, I think I got a shot at that one. You're in the the waiting room at the audition and you're looking around (laughs) at all the other people that are also in black and white. Yeah, the waiting room is in black and white. A very magical way. I've been told that I have past face. I don't think that at all. I think you're a modern, good-looking fella. Hey, thanks. I think you are too, buddy. That might be the first positive thing you've said to me today. It is. I've only been talking to you for 26 minutes. (laughs) But sort of like that thing that happens when you're compared to a famous who is not known for being good-looking, you could really maybe not take that as a compliment, right? Like, past face is not always a compliment. No. Even though we meet it in this case as one. Yeah, these are handsome fast faces. Mm-hmm. And I know all these people are listening, which is why I say that. Right. 
Otherwise, I'd be dragging these motherfuckers for being so ugly. Do you think Daron has a past face? Like, is that something that, you know how sometimes you encounter a baby that just looks old, like an old man <laughs> or an old woman? Is that where past face comes from? Daron definitely had old man shit going on <laughs> early on, but, you know, he's almost five months old now, and uh, yeah. he's really come around to looking like a a baby and not a... Yeah. A wizened old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good looking kid. Yeah. He's a real hunk. So Lonzak is like in the middle of getting chewed out by Chaotic when he returns to the Fortress of Dildos, but he reveals that he has these prisoners and, uh, and that's great news. So they bring these prisoners in and the prisoners are like, yeah, we're like uh, explorers and we're uh, interested in, you know, learning about other photonic uh, entities and, uh, and you know, making diplomatic uh, contact and all that. These poor guys. Yeah. Kayaka isn't really wired to receive this message in a positive way. I'm growing weary of this charade. Neither is his robot yeah. wired for such a thing. No. One of them gets whacked right here, one of these photonic beings. Yeah. And uh, the other has to dematerialize himself and, and escape. Uh, they didn't realize that they were being brought in to meet the ruler of the cosmos when they made this incursion into the holodeck. It's really efficient world building where you recognize immediately the lethality of that moment. Like that guy is dead based on very few hints that we've gotten yeah. in the scene. It's a senseless death. It's hard to hard to countenance. Yeah. The robot quickly takes the medicine out of the Henry Silva's jacket <laughs> pocket and uh, takes that to the dome. As a senior citizen, you're probably aware of the threat robots pose. Is this the same robot? It seems like it totally could be the same robot, right? I looked up what happened to this robot, and it was sold online you know through like a star trek auction uh-huh and i'm just gonna search to see who the high bidder was i think you could probably guess garrett wong not shocking not shocking head and arm d detached but uh possible to glue back together if that's what you wanted to do he was stating the obvious again the captain goes down to Neelix's restaurant in a real foul mood. But they haven't even attempted the get out of the sandbar thing yet. Captain Janeway has a real Marin of this episode kind of mood going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before finally uh, taking some coffee to the dome. And that makes it only a little bit better. Yeah, that one sip uh, takes the edge off, but only so much. Because Neelix cannot allow for any more edges to be removed. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's the bearer of some bad news because they're they're down to just a few replicators, but also they're down to very few lavatories. I was wondering if lavatories is just kind of code for the special transporter beams that get at the poops. I thought a lot about this, and I'm thinking that maybe the special transporters that beam out waste material, hmm. maybe they're only responsible for either solid or liquid waste, and you still have to use a conventional bathroom for the other thing. Oh, dang. You know? Yeah. 
Like yeah. maybe you're beaming out shit because that's uh, that has to do with the annular confinement beam. I think we all know that. Right. But that makes sense. That makes sense. Maybe you got a site. You got to use an actual turlet for the piss part. Right. Right. I mean the the thing being described here has real third day of a music festival vibes. Like <laughs> you do not want to be using these bathrooms at this point. You don't want to be queuing up for them. You don't want anything yeah. to do with them, but there's only a couple. Yeah. And if you get in line behind a Bolian, woof. Yeah. Do Bolians do bathroom the the same way that Adam Pranica does bathroom? Is that what's going on? Well, if we're just pissing in those bathrooms. Yeah. I think we can gather that the the Bolian penis is a wonder. <laughs> it's the water gun that can shoot around corners. Do you think the uh, the bifurcation goes all the way down? Oh yeah. Is that rude to ask a Bolian? Down to the base. <laughs> it, it may it might be even trifurcated. Woo. <laughs> Do you think of that? That's a lot to shake off before putting it back in the pants. Right, yeah. You get uh, triple calico cut pants if you're not careful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're dressing all three ways. <laughs> That's the case. So they attempt this gambit with the thrusters to get out, and it looks like it's going pretty well at first. They're, uh, they're making some progress, and then it doesn't. It doesn't work anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Like I thought, like maybe like throwing some more coal on the fire with the thrusters was not considered as one of the possibilities. Like it, it's obviously not what's going wrong here. But like, I thought the whole point was to try less. Like they yeah. should have backed it off. They should have. Yeah. Or just like rotated the ship around and then then did the forward thrusters or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Smack it up, flip it, and reverse it. <laughs> <laughs> there's also like guns going off and they eventually localize the guns to the holodeck and harry explains oh yeah we may have left something running in there and this is when they realize that the war is happening within i can understand why tuvok is sent with paris to investigate for all of the comedy reasons that are evident once he arrives right but come on, man. Can we give Chakotay something to do? <laughs> anything. Can we give him anything to do at this point in the season? Sounds great. Yeah. I mean, like, it'd be nice if he, like, at least got to go down to Neelix's Tiki Lounge program a lot in season five. But he doesn't even get to do that. Kess has more to do this season than Chakotay. <laughs> it's really saying something. When Tuvok and Paris arrive, uh, they find a lot of smoking craters and the corpses of several NPCs, including that of Constance Goodhart. She's dead. RSVP. Yeah. I'm sure you two were very close. These are bloodless deaths, though. Yeah. They did not spill a lot of blood in that mud. <laughs> no. By the looks of things. The dildos and uh, the fortress of dildos are shredded. The devil's robot is uh, is all charred and burned up and is uh, talking all crazy. I love how the robot is just leaning against the cave wall instead of down on the ground. And you know the reason for that, right? 
Like yeah. you can't fix him and then watch him try to stand up for the <laughs> 20 minutes it would take for him to do that. Like he could only ever be leaning for that reason. Yeah. We don't have the time to watch you try to stand up. Yeah, but uh, the effect is that it sort of seems like the robot is just drunk. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, ooh, man, maybe that last round of shots was a bad idea. <laughs> man, I really love a leaning over drunk. Yeah, yeah. That is a good kind of drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a hand. I can't finish this walk home. I just need to. I just need to lean. Let me just rest <laughs> my eyes for a minute, man. <laughs> yeah, that's really the reason why you lean. It's because if you were to lay down, you'd just pass out. But the lean right. keeps you awake, at least a little bit. There's a little bit of an insurance policy in the lean. <laughs> I like that it's the devil's robot. Made me wonder what Feklar's robot would look like. Oh, man. I, I could tell you Feklar's robot would be wet. Very wet. <laughs> yeah. But then would it, like, rust, you know? God, great question. I don't know. Like a robot that learns to love and then cries and rusts. <laughs> would Feklar's robot just be DOA because of how wet it is? Feklar's robot would... Never learn how to love. <laughs> ever, ever. Why is that even on the table? Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. I, that's a good enough <laughs> quote that it should be a t-shirt. Hotshop.biz. Anyways, they got to fix the bot. They got to make him their friend and uh, get him to tell them what happened. Yeah. I started to like the robot at this point. I did not like the robot up until now. But having the robot as sort of the pet, yeah, just sort of hopping around behind them, that's good. Oh, I, I'm totally with you. By the end of this episode, I was like, bring the robot onto the, the main cast. Like, the <laughs> robot should be part of the show from now on. <laughs> Why does it get to live with Ensign Kim? <laughs> Why does its head and arm keep falling off? And why is Ensign Kim just extremely chill from then on? <laughs> So the robot explains that there's a war on between Chaotica and members of the fifth dimension. And Paris is like, what the fuck is going on, man? There's not supposed to be aliens in this one. People aren't supposed to die either. There's a lot that doesn't add up. Yeah. So Tuvok is like really doing his best to play along, but, uh, you know, hard to keep a straight face when Paris is explaining all this stuff on the fly. Tuvok does that way of kicking someone in the balls that is just repeating the thing that Paris says. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, he doesn't have to try very hard to smash those nuts. It's sort of very similar to what Harry was doing in the first scene. It is, yeah. But downplayed instead of played up. Yeah. Your knowledge of this technology is most impressive. So the the robot leads them over to a part of the Star Trek caves where these holes are. And uh, we see that the holes are licking shots in the atmosphere. They're firing photonic charges. And uh, those photonic charges are presumably what's killing everybody. Yeah. On the holodeck. Seems pretty dangerous. It really does. To hollow people, anyway. Right. At what point in time were you like, where the fuck is the doctor, and why haven't we involved him in this? Because, <laughs> to me, it was 15 minutes ago. Yeah, the photonic life form aboard would be a great diplomat to send in. Right. But uh, 
there's a lot of fucking around that has to get done before <laughs> anyone on Voyager hits on this idea. So it's you're true. way ahead of the members of the crew. Uh-huh. <laughs> Adam. There are three things to remember about being a starship captain. Keep your shirt tucked in. Go down with the ship and do it. So, like, we watched some of this from the ass lab with Seven and Harry, and, like, they're working out that this is, like, a part of subspace that's interacting with the holodeck, and then, like, Chaotica starts shooting his death ray back at subspace, and this actually does seem to be, like, a bit of a war that's going on. I think Seven does something really useful in this scene, which is, if you just aren't into this, like... The holodeck episode in a Star Trek series is often, you know, a Sherwood Forest or a mm-hmm. another version of a Sherwood Forest or or cowboys or whatever. Right. Like TNG did this a bunch. If this isn't for you, Seven is your character in this because <laughs> she smashes Kim's nuts pretty hard here about his choice of holodeck play in a way that I think kind of serves that kind of viewer. That's like, eh, this sucks. Who would who would ever do this? Who would spend their time this way? Right. It seems your infantile scenario now poses a security risk. It kind of defangs that feeling for that kind of viewer and I think makes this more palatable as an episode. I agree. I think that, uh, yeah, TNG would have done well to have, you know, Riker right. be like, really? There's not even any sex in here. We're pretending we're fucking... Sherlock Holmes and this is stopping everything we're doing so that we can deal with the bad guy from your stupid fucking Sherlock Holmes thing? Yeah, the dissenting holodeck opinion Mm -hmm. is really useful in a holodeck episode. I've heard that the Riker character in Picard season three is going to really carry that energy. Oh yeah? Yeah. Be like (laughs) extremely pissed off that Moriarty is back. I hope the Riker character looks back on the fleet that he summoned for help and is like, really? We got one type of starship here. That's that's all we could get. That's what we got? One type. You know, it kind of makes me look like a fucking asshole to be the lead ship, and it's not really any better than any of the other ships behind me. I should have the coolest <laughs> ship, right? <laughs> fucking bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Back on the holodeck, uh, Paris is reading the sensors from his rocket ship which are in the form of a telegram. Right, yeah. And Tuvok could winch a car out of a ditch with how hard his, his eyes are rolling back. He's like, can you please not like give me the telegraph version of this? Like summarize it yeah, if you yeah. can. I mean, the framing is very much suggestive of Paris being infantile and Tuvok having a giant crank because yeah. that's where the, the uh, ticker tape machine is positioned in the frame. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is a message from the president of the earth about like intercepted messages between the queen of the spider people and Chaotica about this war with the fifth dimension they're talking this over when they hear a knocking at the door and uh, the the surviving photonic life form guy comes in and finds them there. And he's like asking them who they are. They're asking him who he is. At a certain point, he like insists to them that all life is photonic. And they're like, no, it isn't, you fucking idiot. 
and he's like scanning them and he's like, yeah, like this biochemical thing does not read his life to my sensor thingy. So sorry, I don't believe you. That mirroring of perception is pretty interesting. Yeah. Like they both see each other in that same flawed way. But God, this Henry Silva guy has an awful story about 53 of his people being killed. Yeah. Yikes. It's not looking good for them. The holodeck safeties are permanently off for people of his type, right? Yeah. And, you know, he has to shoot this robot before it it tries to destroy him. Bad moment for that robot. Yeah. Knocks its fa- his phaser out of his hand, but then its its arm falls to the floor and he makes his escape, uh, still not believing that uh, anybody that he just met is really alive. Yeah. And we cut to a McLaughlin group. Issue one. Where Tom Paris kind of has to explain a lot of like backstory on what's going on in the universe of the game to the captain. I mean, this McLaughlin group is peak silly because like, they have to like take seriously the plot of the game while trying to puzzle through what to do about the photonic life forms, like trapping them there and also getting killed by their holodeck. This is a great performance by B-Dunks because he's, he's summoning that energy that all nerdy kids have ever had explaining the thing they love to their parents. Right. To their disinterested parents, specifically. <laughs> like going on and on about this nerd shit. Yeah. And doing it in a serious way in the face of people who want to shit all over this. The destructo beam on my rocket ship can disable the death ray, but only if someone gets inside the Fortress of Doom and can shut down the lightning shield. That's what she says. I would say that that is like the one thing that Chakotay gets to do in this episode is join Seven in deriding the... Yeah entire affair (laughs) if it were possible to reach the strap of paris's underwear and yank it upward like Mm. the crew would just be passing him around (laughs) yeah would that be a photonic wedgie it it would be in the context of this episode it would absolutely be that yeah so the thing is in the game they need to drop the lightning shield And the way that is accomplished is by enlisting the help of the Queen of the Spider People. And for some reason, that role will be played by Janeway. Mostly, I think, for the bit. Like, everybody in the room agrees that it would be funniest if Janeway plays it. Oh, no. It's the role of a lifetime. Like, they look at Seven and they're like, there's no way that she would, like, throw herself into the role. So, let's, let's just go with Janeway. Seven doesn't have a gear for camp. No. No. And we aren't sure if Janeway will either, but boy, does she. Yeah. Janeway's eye muscles really get a workout mm-hmm. on all of the eye rolling she does in this episode yeah. before she finds herself in the program. Yeah. Also, almost as an afterthought, the doc's involvement is floated and approved in this scene. <laughs> it's worth a try. Brief him. And then the next, we're in Six Bay, where the doc is, is making preparations for his big role. Yeah. BLT is in there kind of... Uh, making sure he's ready. BLT does not feel left out or left behind by not being invited into the program in a way, again, that feels <laughs> symbolic of her detachment from Paris Yeah, in yeah. any way. It's like, I mean, I've occasionally floated the idea of, hey, do you want to watch some Star Trek to my wife? Like, are you curious at all what I 
Nah. What I do? Nah. No. Congratulations. Why do you need me? So same thing. BLT has no interest in uh, in the Captain Proton cinematic universe. And uh, are you saying that this is a healthy relationship? Then they just have their <laughs> interests siloed. Maybe. Maybe. Right. Okay. It, it's a theory. I, uh, you know, we have to test this theory. Okay. We'll put a pin in that. The Doc is going to play the president of Earth, and he's ready to go. Yeah. He's got BLT making modifications to his mobile emitter for some reason. This confused me, and then I was even more confused when they radio to tell him they're ready for him down in the holodeck, and he walks down there? Yeah. What? I mean, is this one of the systems that doesn't work anymore while they're stuck in this crud? Oh. Oh, that actually... Eh? I don't know if they ever say that explicitly, but I like that theory. Why not? You can only use three turlets, mm. no sight to sight for the doctor. <laughs> is it? Is it you can only use three because the fourth one has been labeled Boleans only? <laughs> uh, that is ugly. Yeah. It's very ugly. That's yeah. whoever has to put that sign on the bathroom. It's like you take all the conveniences of a modern starship away and people start reverting to some of the <laughs> basest instincts that that people have. It's oh. so sad. Oh, that's ugly. <laughs> I've got to get that platinum. Get that low metal argument. <laughs> I've got to get that platinum. Not. Are you planning a heist? Gold. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. 
What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway, the USS Voyager. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway, the USS Voyager. So we get a, a, a long hallway walk and talk where Paris starts to kind of talk Captain Janeway through the role and like how you how you behave like a mustache twirling villain and how you behave to a mustache twirling villain in a Captain Proton story. It's a, a lot more eye rolling. It's like a, a wonder she can see where she's going given how hard her eyes are being rolled in this scene. You can't not have this scene though. Like you can't just have Janeway appear in the holodeck without having this coaching. Right. Paris and Janeway spend a lot of time together this episode talking yeah. about everything, but maybe the subtext that is most interesting between them. Like the idea that this is a place where Paris spends a ton of his time, even if it is like pseudo academic, like the study of the way past earth people thought about futurism or whatever, like, Whatever, whatever. <laughs> that there is never even a whiff of Janeway going like, you aren't even going to try to get back into my good graces at all. Like, I fucking demoted you for being an insubordinate mutineer even. Like, you're not going to use your free time to try to get that pit back? Does that ever happen? Like, I don't want you to ruin the end of Voyager for me, but but like, when does that even begin? I don't know. I mean... They're spending so much time together, I think there was time for that moment where she's like, "Yeah, you know, by the way... <laughs> well, there was a, a bit about that, but then they had to edit that out because they needed time for him to go over Arachnia's vial of pheromones that she ordered out of the back pages of a gentleman's magazine. Oh, presumably. yeah. They... <laughs> Really worked. <laughs> what do you think about the way Paris signs off with her at the scene? Where he's like, "You're the queen, sir." Oh, that's you're the queen now, dog. <laughs> kind of the energy. I mean, anytime a subordinate can get away with a twist of the knife like that without 
fear of reprisal, I think you got to take it. <laughs> but that does sort of underline how little interest he seems to have in getting back into her good graces. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Because a knife twist, it most certainly is. Yeah. We're back on the holodeck next, and Chaotica's hench has some bad news. Three more of our spaceships have been destroyed. Ah! And it only makes him want to shoot his death ray more. Yeah. Lonzak comes in, and this is one of those problems with your your war movie or your Bond villain or your Chaotica is that, uh, like, the death ray is already the most powerful weapon, but now he's saying things like full power to the death ray and, like, fire at will. And it's like, you weren't firing at will at full power before? Yeah, I don't get that. What was holding you back? You know? There's no uh, watch your future's end. Yeah moment here like this is all by way of uh trying to escalate the stakes in the episode but it just seems like it doesn't make any sense that the stakes wouldn't already be here by now we don't get much time to interrogate this before queen arachnia enters as played by Catherine janeway and she is a real goth chick <laughs> yeah this episode breaks for goth girls and uh, she walks in strikes a pose and slinks up to Chaotica with her, like, opera mask and wild haircut. Dr. Chaotica has that energy of a kid who's made a new friend who wants to show them all their toys (laughs) the first time they come over. Yeah. Here's my death ray, and uh, here's my brain laser bed. That's a beanbag. And those are my pheromones, and here's my throne. I have Super Nintendo and Genesis. Yeah, pretty cool. When I was dead broke, I couldn't picture this. So here are some clothes I stole out of your garbage, and I take hits (laughs) off of them whenever I need to be inspired as a (laughs) supervillain. She's like, oh, that's not creepy at all. Anyways, where's the button that turns off the lightning shield? That's the thing I'm kind of curious about. The repetition that Arachnia has with wanting to drop those shields is the thing that draws the line under how fucking stupid Dr. Chaotica is. Because <laughs> over and over again, that's all she wants to talk about. She has no subtlety no. In, in tiptoeing up to the thing that she's really interested in. Yeah, and Dr. Chaotica is such a fucking bumbling idiot that he's like, well, you know, you're going to have to give me something for me to want to do that. How about marrying me? Yeah. And she agrees to do that. Yeah. If you will lower the shield, then I will wed you. And it sort of like feels true to form for like a 30s adventure serial in a lot of ways. Like how big of a deal is this war? Well, not so big a deal that we can't have a wedding in the middle of it. I mean, and it's also really... The way people become intimate for a long period of time. Like, you drop your shields, I drop mine. Mm. Wow. Heavy. Yeah. Makes me wonder why your shields have been up our entire relationship, Adam. Yeah. I have not asked myself that question. (laughs) (laughs) It's the first time I'm thinking about it. (laughs) Over with the president of Earth, the doctor has made contact with Henry Silva and makes the case for aligning themselves with Captain Proton's mission to destroy the Death Ray that has been killing 
Uh, we didn't get an update, but 50-something of his people have yeah. been killed by the death ray. It's a good number, and the enemy of my enemy is my friend, mm -hmm. and that means Captain Proton and the photonic entities have uh, aligned interests, yeah. shall we say. And, uh, you know, the president of Earth is like, yeah, man, this Chaotica guy, he really sucks shit, but <laughs> Photon can bring the heat to him. Right. Guess what? The robot's working on our side now. <laughs> and Henry Silva's like, that doesn't make me feel any better. That robot fucking sucks. <laughs> I don't even know why the scientists make them. So uh, it's a an alliance between the proton and the photons. Yeah, what does that make? I don't know. Clean energy. <laughs> oh, really? I, I don't know. That's exciting. Yeah, that's that's what The Saint was about, right? I believe it the was, The Val Kilmer yeah. movie? yeah. Elizabeth Shue, she plays a brilliant scientist. Even the end of pollution. A lot of post-its up in her apartment. Fun movie. Yeah. Back on the rocket ship, uh, the doctor tells Paris that it's mission accomplished. Yeah, this is a classic president thing, like mm -hmm. celebrating a win before it's really <laughs> secure. Yeah. <laughs> He's in his flight suit. Really great. So heroic. Stolen valor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh... We get a great like push edit over to Chaotica's war room, and uh, they're showing off some of the uh, jewelry to uh, Arachnia. This is Chaotica's wedding ring. She keeps bringing up the lightning shield, and you know when are we going to lower it? Any <laughs> at any point, lowering the lightning shield would be great. Just really want my minions to uh, worship you, sure, your highness, yeah. Etc. Etc. I mean, if you want a lot of wedding gifts, you got to invite a lot of guests. Yeah. Them's the rules. Chaotica's like, yeah, I was really thinking about something smaller, you know, something more befitting of two people lowering their shields mm -hmm. the way we're doing. While they're talking about this, the Proton spaceship uh, is incoming and Chaotica starts licking shots at it. And uh, the shields are still up and the, and the weapons are hot. Yeah. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Dr. Chaotica is distracted enough by the arrival of the rocket ship to kind of miss Arachnia's double cross, right? Yeah. His back is turned, but then when he turns back towards her, she it's like a stick up. Yeah. The one thing I uh, I wondered about is like she knocks out one of the henchmen with like a incredibly quick karate chop to the back of the neck. Is that like an in-game thing that works because of the mechanics of the video game, or is that like? Oh, that's fun. Does Janeway really have that kind of chop? <laughs> Could Tuvok have neck pinched Doctor Chaotica, and would it have worked? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Because like a lot of video games, like your your melee attack is an instant kill, but it's very high risk because you have to get so close to the bad guy to do it. Yeah. So maybe this is one of those games. She just got lucky because his back was turned. I'm stuck in that God of War game. I can't kill Thor. <laughs> I can't kill him. I spent an hour trying to kill Thor a couple nights oh, ago. I just can't do it. I think I might be stuck. Are you like really far into the game or not that far into the game? Not that far. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm single digit percentage. I think maybe I'm just not good at this game. I think it's time to take the level of difficulty down. I did that. There's no shame in that. Honestly, I never even thought to do that. Like I did not <laughs> see that as an as a possibility. Wow. 
Yeah. Turn yeah. down the difficulty. Yeah. Shit. The opposite uh, would be have a heavy duty jazz gummy before playing and uh, and see how much worse you do. <laughs> and just Bradward Boimler that thing all night. Do it again. Hit me. You'd come to your senses the next day and you'd have just incredible muscle memory for all the like button combos. I don't know. I'm still a little bit of a masher. I think that might yeah. be why I'm not so good at this game. You need some moves. That game really rewards a memorization of combos in a way that I am terrible at and always have been. I think this is what I'm rubbing up against. It's the, I don't play it enough at enough days in a row for me to have those things locked in. So yeah. I'm like relearning every time I play it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have 11-year-old privilege. I don't. Sure don't. Chaotica is fucking ripshit when he realizes that he's been betrayed. He calls Janeway an impetuous harlot. Damn. Pretty searing indictment. Yeah. But then again, she was like going to marry him. So, you know, kind of accurate, right? I mean, maybe that's his thing. Impetuous <laughs> harlots. Yeah. When you've got a type, you've got a type. Yeah. Yeah, don't fight it. They try and shoot her and she laughs this off because holodeck safeties are still on. Mm -hmm. But the confinement rings can still confine. Yeah. I mean, this is a callback to something Paris told her in the corridor. It's like, you're not going to get killed here, but you can get trapped here. Yeah. And so she is. The confinement rings seem pretty scary. You know what? You could argue that... Uh, a wedding band is a form of a confinement ring. Mm, yeah. So I, there are actually many of those up in this lair. Yeah. Right? I've uh, often found that uh, I get good results if I put a confinement ring down around the base of my, my penis. <laughs> oh, yeah? Until you ask a nurse to cut it off with a... <laughs> with an angle grinder? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our homeowner has made a terrible mistake. <laughs> My dick is full of blood. <laughs> so this puts the danger back in Captain Proton's court because the death ray is fully active and powered up and uh, they're firing at will and the lightning shield is still up. So these bangers are uh, are hitting... Not only Captain Proton's spaceship, but also the Voyager itself is getting pulled deeper into subspace. And uh, when, when we come back from commercial, there's like smoke in the air and the robot is walking around all willy-nilly on the bridge of the rocket ship. And uh, Chaotica is really thrilled at, at how his little conflict is going. So much so that he has taken... Janeway out of the confinement rings and just like shackled her to a wall instead. Yeah, this looks better. Yeah, but it it enables her to uh, reach into her sleeve and pull out the pheromones that uh, she secreted in there before. And uh, when she opens it, Chaotica and uh, Lonzac trade places. Lonzac is about to start firing the death ray and like cheese smell graphics go up his nose and he floats across the room to her and uh, proclaims his uh, his devotion. This always happens to the henchman, right? The henchman yeah. falls for the supervillain's lady yeah, and just gets used. I don't blame him. Yeah. She knocks him out, gets his gun, takes out the other two henchmen, 
Chaotic is getting really charged up by this. He's really excited to to be at gunpoint. And smelling all these pheromones, right? Yeah. Don't forget about those. This room is starting to have a dangerous concentration of pheromones in the atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> he gets out his little room air sensor. Oh, yeah. Let's check in about that. How's it going? Update uh, 800 is what we're hey. working with in the studio. That's a little bit better than uh, it was the other day. Yeah. Better than the 1,200 it was before. <laughs> I'm going to take your suggestion for action and get a plant in here. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. That'll help. It might break up the overwhelming beigeness of the room. Oh, I mean, beige would be too much color. This is this is a gray box. What it is. <laughs> Oppressively gray. Yeah. So uh, she gets the shields down and Proton fires his Destructo beam which is remarkably non-destructive. Felt the same way. For what it's called. Yeah. It shocks Chaotica. He's like touching his death ray and it shocks him, kills him, and uh, Chaotica eliminated the photonic entities, like, I guess, released them from the sandbar or something. I don't know if I totally followed like how this got them out of being <laughs> stuck. I mean, in order to give us more detail, you'd have to give more dialogue to Robert Beltran, and this is something that the show was just unwilling to do. <laughs> like, they cut away as he's trying to explain it. Yeah. It's actually quite interesting the way that... And then we're back on the holodeck. <laughs> you hear him off camera going, hey, wait! Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the scene that ends the episode is on the holodeck where Paris, Kim, and the doc are together with Janeway and they're like standing over what they think is Chaotica's dead body, but it's not. Yeah. He's still alive. And he's still in love with Queen Arachnia. Yeah. He says like this this thing about like you haven't seen the last of Chaotica. But then like How is that true if he's dead? Like we had the scene earlier where Paris was like, I'm never firing this program up again. I'm sick and tired of this stupid Captain Proton bullshit. And I was like if that is true, like death ray chaotica, like you all have your ray guns. Yeah, light them up. Yeah. <laughs> light them up and then throw them off the cliff. Because at this point, what's the difference? And then do that squatting thing where you squat over his dead body over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they go over to the round TV and watch the the end card come up. And then the question mark with chaotica's diabolical laughter. Yeah. And uh, everybody rolls their eyes to theme. Did you like the episode, Ben? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullets, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. Boy, I thought this was some some dumb fun. It is not smart <laughs> fun, but it is good dumb fun. And uh, the implications of Captain Proton getting fully explored was not something I had in my season five bingo card. So I, yeah. I liked it a lot. Ultimately, I had a great time watching it. Yeah, I got to say, consistent with my feelings about Seven earlier, like perfect holodeck episode execution. Yeah. Normally really dumb, bad. <laughs> But in this example, I thought they did a great job with it. Yeah. I think the comedy of it works. Like, they, they set up and pay off jokes that are well done. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Good job. Good job, indeed. Well, do you want to see if we have any 
interesting black and white priority one messages. Oh, geez. There's a whole separate section for some of them, Ben. Mm. <laughs> Just makes me very sad to think about. Oh, but that separate section is for the promotional messages. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Our first Priority One message is of a promotional nature. It goes like this. The debauched sloth is a newly launched greeting card store. All illustrations are made in MS Paint or its Mac equivalent and feature Miriam egregious puns. In particular, FODs may want to check out thedebauchedsloth.com slash shop slash trek to learn what Khan and Obama have in common and what makes a Borg put on a tie. I looked at some of these cards, Adam. They are really fun. There's a Wheaton Terrier-based card in here. Whoa, what? Yeah. I'm going over there right now. I need to buy that one before someone else does. Well, I think that they probably have multiple copies of each card. I'm seeing sold-out cards here, Ben. Yeah, but, you know, probably... We're talking about a friend of DeSoto here. I bet if you sent an email, they would do right by you. Oh, I, I like the Wheaton Terrier card. That's fun. Fisherman's Wharf? Yeah. That's fun. That's fun, too. Yes, we can. I love all these cards. I need better, less generic greeting cards in my life, so I fully support the debauched sloth. The call to action here is bring your scarves to thedebauchedsloth.com before Big Rod shuts it all down. And uh, for our listeners in the UK, that's thedebauchedsloth.com. They pronounce it differently. That's fun. Yeah. I like knowing that. <laughs> Pretty great. Pretty great work by uh, Katie Arathun on this. Yeah. I, I, I love all of these cards so much. Yeah. I'm going to be making a purchase as soon as we finish the program today. Ben, wow. our second priority one message is from David in Nashville. It is to Ben and Adam. That message goes like this. Hey, B&A, I'm the guy from the double dumbass virtual meet and greet who confessed to listening to y'all at 1.5 speed. Well, I finally caught up on the show at the beginning of Voyager season five and now pledge to listen to you at 1x. Wow. <laughs> It'll probably take some time to stop thinking you're way more drunk than you actually are. Thanks for everything and happy holidays. Wow, thanks David in Nashville. Hey. You don't have to listen to the show at 1x speed. You're off the hook. <laughs> I disagree, David. I strongly believe you need to listen at 1x speed only. Adam, our final Priority One message is from Aaron, who bought this in January of 2022. And it is to Peter. It goes like this. Happy birthday. I love that baller. Get it done no matter what. Janeway is your favorite captain. Holy shit, she's so fucking good. I promise we will have as much fun together as Kate Mulgrew did fucking destroying this episode. And I will continue to make sure you have coffee before you have to make decisions. I love you so much. 
Yeah, I mean, Aaron may be more effusive than we were about the great Kate Mulgrew in this episode. Yeah. Uh, she does fucking destroy this episode. She really does. This is a, a very, very fun Kate Mulgrew episode in a whole bunch of ways. Yeah. And uh, this seems like it's sort of a, uh, a Valentine's message that's very closely timed to actual Valentine's Day. So uh, nice work, Aaron. Getting out ahead of a P1 purchase. If you'd like to get out ahead of a P1 purchase, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and set yours up today. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I think I might give it to Harry just because he's totally in it for the sex at the beginning of this yeah. episode. Like, No mystery about it. He's sort of millhousing, but he's also sort of George Costanzaing. He's a sexual millhouse, isn't he? <laughs> Which I guess is what George Costanza is. Very true. So yeah, I think uh, I think he's going to be my drunk Shimoda today. Yeah. How about you? Uh, the take that Dr. Chaotica has when he goes down for the count, touching the death ray yeah. or whatever. That's the bigness of performance that I was kind of expecting throughout. Yeah. That I'm glad we didn't get until that moment. Like that is the hammiest, cheesiest, campiest <laughs> performance in three seconds there. It was great. Yeah. Everything about this episode leads to that moment. I liked it a lot. And that's why I think it works. Good moment, Adam. But will we have a good moment when we watch the next episode? Uh, for that, I'm turning to gach.biz slash game, where we keep the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker. And uh, let me just quickly tell you about season five, episode 13, Gravity. When Tuvok, Paris, and the Doctor's shuttle crashes on a barren planet, they befriend a female alien who had also crashed there years earlier. Hmm. Yeah. So it's, a, it's an episode about friendship, sounds like. Currently, our runabout is on square 30. bit ahead, we have a Delta Flyer square, which could uh, rocket us up to a measure of a man square mm -hmm. on the second to last row. Uh, I think we can also hit a Neelix's galley square. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll this bone. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. We'll see what happens. Boy, I rolled a five out of... Tula! Did I win? Hardly. And that put us right in between those two fun squares and hmm? landed us on our regular old square. <laughs> I love how you put it. So it's a regular old episode next week. Yeah. We're on quite a streak. Yeah. A streak that I like. A streak of missing. Yeah. yeah. But we're getting pretty close to that Brone Zone square, so uh, so that could be coming up sometime soon. Wow. Been a while. Starting to inch up on it. Oh, I'm looking forward to next week. I hope you are too, even though you have some misgivings about this whole thing. Oh, in spite of what you may think, I am very invested in this thing that we do. Oh, and, good. And the way that we do it. And in my okay. co-host in particular, and in all of the friends of DeSoto out there who make the show possible. Oh, yeah. They've invested in us over yeah. at uh, MaximumFun.org slash join. We're uh, getting real, real close to the beginning of the Max Fun Drive, so get your wallets ready. I'm, uh... 
Yeah. You just open up your purse or wallet right now, and you hold it open until the drive begins. It may get tiring, but that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Say okay. You can go to MaximumFun.org slash join to help support the show at any time, including the Max Fun Drive. That would be great. we got to thank Wendy Pretty, the producer of this program. we got to thank Adam Agusia, who makes our original theme music and occasionally has us on his podcast, the Adam Agusia Podcast. Got to thank Bill Tilly, the card daddy, who runs the At Greatest Trek social media accounts. Lots of great social media things to get involved with all over the internet. Also on the internet, Adam, podshop.biz. Podshop.biz has now outlasted our previous podshops by almost double. (laughs) No one's pulled the plug yet. Yeah, over 10 times as many things in it, which is really exciting. Yeah, more gray shirts added by the episode, it seems. <laughs> but other things, too. So, you know, get your apparel basics, but also get, uh, you know, sex candles and shit. I don't know. Right. Yeah, you know that's coming. Yeah. Sex candle, uh, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Yeah. Maybe we'll have sex candles in the store in time for that. Boy, that would be tremendous. Yeah. With that, we will be back at you next week for another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager where Adam has watched the episode, but I just watched Tank Girl again. Mm. Again? Again. I haven't seen it the first time. You should watch Tank Girl. All right. Fine. Ben, I have a rule never to end a podcast angry. I love you, pal. I love you too, buddy. I don't want you to think I'm mad at you. I would never think that. Okay, good. Make it so. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.